Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fast talk. Street talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid talk. Hot talk. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is the first day of what could very possibly be the final uh, denouement uh, of the uh, final uh, Tory leadership contest. Uh, We will go down to the final two later on this afternoon. Uh, Kemi Badenoch finally disappeared off the uh, grid yesterday. Uh, The big question now is will it be Penny Morden uh, or will it be Liz Truss versus Rishi Sunak? Because everybody seems to believe that Rishi Sunak will get there by hook or by crook one way or the other. We'll be talking to a variety of people morning, including Andrew Bowie, MP, uh, who is, of course, in favour of Rishi Sunak. Alicia Kearns is going to be here. She's in favour of Penny Morden. We haven't got anybody in favour of Liz Truss, uh, so we'll just have to talk to John Rental about her to see whether he thinks that she might be the next Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Also, of course, we'll be taking loads of your calls as well, because very important day today too. Prime Minister's questions, the last Prime Minister's questions for Boris Johnson. He said last week he might not be here this week. Uh, that turned out not to be the case either, along with everything else that he's always said. So I suppose he goes out as he came in, um, breaking yet another promise. I know you're going to get all upset if you do that. Also, we are talking later uh, to David Bannerman, uh, who has got a plan to add Boris Johnson to the final tally, to the final ballot. Uh, and supposedly uh, he's got Lord Crudders backing him. We shall see whether that comes to pass. But the idea would be that you'd have two Conservative uh, politicians plus Boris Johnson on the final ballot. Could that happen? Will it happen? If it doesn't happen, it's still kind of embarrassing. Henry Bolton's here as well. Uh, He's going to be talking about the new figures uh, on the migrant crisis. Ben Clapworthy's here to talk about the latest from Heathrow uh, and various points west. You still can't get a train anywhere today, even though the heat wave appears to be over. Uh, So tell us what's going on, where you are. 0344 499 This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's do it. Now, you, Mike, me, might feel a little bit jaded today because we've battled through uh, what was the biggest heat wave of all time. Uh, I think the, the final tally was 40.3 degrees, hottest day ever in the United Kingdom. I think 40.3 degrees was uh, levelled at something like somewhere like Heathrow. There was a few fires which turned into wildfires, apparently, according to uh, some of the newspapers this morning. They've got Britain on fire. Um, I mean, there are fires all the time. 
It's unfortunate these particular fires destroyed some things, but I mean, you know, there are fires every day. And we don't cover them quite like that. John Rentals here. Very good morning to you. Good morning. And it says here, trust allies warn no dirty backroom deals. <laughs> now, call me old-fashioned. Do trust but... allies know anything about <laughs> politics? I mean, isn't <laughs> dirty backroom deals what it's all about? Well, Surely. Absolutely. Although, actually, uh, the, the thing about all these stories about people, you know, one candidate lending other candidates votes in order to secure the secure the election of, a, of, of the candidate they, they least fear. Yes. Um, you don't know how much of that actually goes on. I suspect Boris Johnson did do that last time because mm. he was comfortably in the lead. He didn't, yes. he didn't want to face Michael Gove in the right. final in the final round. So he may well have lent some of his his supporters to to Jeremy Hunt or they yeah. may have just they may have just worked that out for themselves yes. and and voted right. accordingly. I mean the big question I suppose is I mean everybody's assuming Rishi Sunak has enough support in the parliamentary party to get onto the Indeed. final ballot. So, so it's the really question, question is who does he want yes. to face? And I don't think there's much to choose between them actually. Mm. I'm no, thinking. I don't. I mean Liz, I mean I think for the purposes of the um the conservative membership I think they'd rather not have Liz Truss because then you've just got two candidates who were in the last government. And and what you might want is a choice between you know whether you want to continue with that or you want somebody completely fresh, which would be well, pretty important. But there are there are conservative members who regard Liz Truss as a right winger. I mean, I think these these terms are absolutely absurd. And they and really the idea are. that the idea that Liz Truss, um, who voted Remain, is is a right winger in any any meaningful sense yes. is, is nonsense. But there I are. Mean, sorry, she's, she's trying to perpetuate that myth, by the way. Well, of course she is, because yeah. she wants because because the idea of being it's just like it's the mirror image of the Labour Party. The idea that if you're on the left, you're you, you know you're you're more moral and good. Uh, in the Tory Party, if you're on the right, then you're a proper Tory. Uh, and sh- so Liz Truss is posing as a proper Tory, but actually R- Rishi Sunak is far more right wing than. But because of his tax and spend sort of policy or his history, well, because he had to put taxes up in order to did. pay for the well, for, he the, did. for the lockdowns. He yes. did, but but I mean, he says that he will not reduce them, and he also uh, has not yet done anything about the fuel uh, costs and well, you know, all the things. That because he, hasn't he has done. done a lot about the fuel costs. Well, he he spent vast amounts of, of of public of taxpayers' money mm. on protecting people from vulnerable people yeah, in well, particular from he, from the fuel well, you from can, the fuel bills. Now, if there that. are Tory party members who want to argue against that on the grounds that that's socialism mm. or left wing, yeah. then uh, let's hear them. But uh, we haven't heard them. Well, we have heard them because we had both Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak accusing each other of socialism and being mm. socialist. And in fact, no. as I said the day after that debate, they were probably both right. No, but Liz I Truss think... did not say to Rishi Sunak, you should not have spent this money on protecting uh, poorer households from, the, from, from energy No, bills. she did not. But the trouble with what they've done is that they haven't really fixed anything. You know, all they've done is they've thrown a bunch of money at some people, not everybody, some people, um, and it's kind of disappeared down another great big black hole. What and do you no, want them to do, Mike? Well, what I want them to do is mm. to bring inflation under control. And what I want them to do well, is... by to, magic? Is not by magic, no. If you'd listened to this show for the last year, <laughs> you would know that I've been saying for a very long time we can get rid uh, of fuel duty to a large extent. We can certainly yeah, that's magic. Cut, we can, that's not magic. They well, it make, is. How are you going to pay for that? Are well, you, are you make, well, they've already made massive amounts of money as a result of the price <laughs> of fuel going up, right? So they've already got much more money than they expected to have in any event because not because of fuel duty which remains the same but because of the VAT on all of it right so they've collected billions and billions of pounds that's not the I case. don't know why you're shaking your head because, because it's not true well, because, pe- because, because oh, inflation, oh, okay. oh, inflation so puts telling, up right. costs are you, are you actually well. seriously going to tell me that the VAT on £2 a litre is not an awful lot more than the VAT on £1.50 a litre are you telling me that of course of course not because Thank but, you. but the government so you agree then but inflation also puts up the government's costs because of uh, pensions and 
and, and, and benefits and everything else. Yes, being, but not to the same inflation. extent, because nothing so, has risen faster and higher than fuel. Well, you can argue with the Office for, for, for uh, Budget Responsibility mm. about, or what's it called, OBR? OBR, yeah. Yeah, you, could, you can argue with, who them, is, with, with Jacob them about, about say, how much scope have, there is yeah. for tax cuts. Well, but, as Jacob Rees-Mogg says, the people who have never got anything right... Because they haven't. All of their well, forecasts Does, does, does are wrong. Jacob Rees-Mogg want to abolish the OBR? Um, well, I don't think he cares what, what they do, and he certainly is not driven by is what he they another, say. Another fairy tale economist. Why? I mean, the Tory Party is awash with well, them. All, these all economists have taken are, leave of their no, senses. No, but all economists are fairy tale economists because well, eco- e- eco- economics, which I studied at university, as you well know, uh, is a is a complete well, and that's a shibboleth of yeah, nothing. Well, so you will know that you can't magic magic money out of nowhere. Well, you, can. you can't just borrow indefinitely yes, you can. to pay for day to day. That's spending. what we've been doing for years. <laughs> We've been borrowing money for years, creating money, um, quantitative easing. Remember that? George Osborne invented the phrase. It basically meant, I'm just going to invent some money. Right. So so the, so the only thing the government is doing wrong is not inventing enough money. No, that's I mean, not that the only just, thing. That is just, no. No, that is no. just fairytale well, economics. I'm listen, sorry. Rishi listen. Sunak is the only fiscally responsible candidate in this election. How can you call and, him fiscally uh, responsible? He has taken this economy into the toilet, right? He's now saying, as part of his <laughs> slogan... Uh, that he wants well, to rebuild the, the, the economy. No, the lockdowns followed by the, uh, the, right. the energy price so here's the government have taken this economy yes. into So here's the government that took us into lockdown, asking us to rebuild the economy because they made the stupid mistake of taking us into lockdown. Without, well, which Rishi, Rishi Sunak without, was, was actually on the, on the, yeah, without on listening, the edge of the argument yeah. opposing. But also opposing without lockdowns. listening to people like me and Julie Hartley Brewer, who said this will cost you a fortune, you will kill the economy and you will wreck it. Well, I think they did. Peter Hitchens they even did told listen them. To, <laughs> I, well, the, if the Tory party starts listening to Peter Hitchens, then well, everything he said would happen has happened. He said we would have massive oh, yeah. inflation. Uh, we would be in so much debt that we wouldn't be able to rescue ourselves from it, and that's entirely what has happened. So we now find ourselves being presented with this bloke that you regard as a great economist stroke uh, steward of the economy, a, sens- a sensible, a sensible politician, politician who words. has taken us into mayhem. Uh, economically, he's done, he's done exactly what the British people wanted wanted to be done, which is which is the, no, fur, the furlough that's scheme. That's not true. Uh, and uh, yes, and people that's wanted wanted true. to be protected from no. uh, from the coronavirus. Well, they wanted to be protected, and, the, and from they what, wa- then wanted to be well, protected from the economic consequences yes, of that. And, they, uh, and, and, and then they wanted to be protected from the energy yes, uh, crisis. And none of those. And things he's has done happened. all of those things, no, and they have to be paid for. No, but he hasn't done any of those things. Nobody wanted to be taken into furlough until they were told that they were dealing with a very dangerous disease, going to kill everybody, which it didn't do. Right then, they were well, told it did kill quite a lot. It of killed people, a lot Mike. of people who would have probably died anyway. When well, you no, look at the figures, is, is, no, mean, it's not. You look at the figures. All the people that died were largely over eighty and had comorbidities in one way, shape, or form. And you know as well as I do that we will find out when the inquiry finally t- takes place that an awful lot of the people who were said to have died of COVID actually died of something else. I don't think the inquiry will. Uh, will well, it will, should will take, find that because your view or Peter it's Hitchens not my view. view. This is not my view, Pete, uh, John. This is my, this is the, the considered discovery of looking into the figures by many people who know a lot more about statistics than you and I put together. Well, I don't agree with them. Well, you don't have to agree with them, but facts are facts, and we don't need to <laughs> we don't need to argue about them. We can just accept them, or you can reject them, and then you'll be called some kind of mad conspiracy theorist. I never thought I'd be sitting here, John, telling you with that you're a mad conspiracy, conspiracy <laughs> theorist. But let's face it, what are we going to get after the day, the day ends? Right, predict it for me. Uh, is it going to be Liz Truss? Or is it going to be Penny Mordaunt? No, I think it's going to be Rishi, Rishi Sunak versus Liz Truss. I fear and, you may be right. I've just been um, handed uh, the latest on the bookies figures. Liz Truss, 10 to 11. Rishi Sunak, 5 to 4. This is yeah. for Prime Minister. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, Penny Mordaunt, 6 to 1. So she's yeah, moving no, she's, out. She's really, she's really drifting. 
Um, but I think that I, I do think the betting odds are wrong. I mean, I may I'm, I may be being influenced by my own views on this because I think I think Rishi Sunak is 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 head and shoulders above the other. Well, candidates. he's not going to win, though, but is he? Against, I, I think he is. I, no, I think he is going to win because I, I I don't think Conservative Party members are quite as deluded as they're often painted. I think they it's they recognise being deluded. It's they recognise that you that, that you have to pay that you know if you if you if you borrow vast amounts of money to uh, to protect people, you have to pay for it. And they recognise that, you know, Rishi Sunak is the best person uh, most likely to win the next election well, and defeat Keir Starmer. That's an interesting that's, one. that's what they care about. That's an interesting one. However, you're a big fan of polls. You're always quoting them at me. I'm surprised you haven't quoted any of them at me this morning because obviously <laughs> you haven't liked any of them. But all the polls, all the polls that I've seen... Uh, have Rishi Sunak versus anybody losing? Yes. So versus Penny well, of, of polls of party members. Polls uh, but, of party but members. Yeah. But the other thing that those polls do show is is that opinion among party members is extremely volatile. And I think I think they've reacted. Uh, what I mean, what's interesting? I mean, your discussion coming up about whether Boris Johnson ought to be on the ballot. Yes. Uh, you know, about a third of Tory party members are very very upset about the fact that uh, Boris Johnson has been kicked out. Yes. And they 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 wanted him to carry on. They are. Um. Again, uh, not not entirely the reality reality based community, I suspect. But yes. Um. They're, they're upset, and that's going to be a real problem for for Rishi Sunak because mm. they regard him as as a traitor who uh, who who stuck the knife in. Yeah, and that's entirely something that they don't forgive. And so it's sort of fascinating how it's all teetering on the edge. When we come back, we're going to talk about if Rishi Sunak does win, uh, or if Liz Truss, Liz Truss does win, is there a place in the cabinet for those other people who uh, were actually up against them uh, in this first and second and third and fourth ballot? We shall see. Uh, we'll take your calls, of course. Oh three four 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 nine nine one it's amazing how uh, galvanising it can be uh, for something you don't have a vote on, isn't it? Uh, this is, of course, uh, Talk TV. Uh, we're with John Rental. Uh, he's going to see sense soon. Uh, we'll come right back with him and me after this. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. John Rental is here. I guess the big question, John, is... What does the next cabinet look like? Whoever is the eventual winner of this, and we won't know, obviously, until, um, you know, September. September but, the uh, 5th. I think there's going to be something like 12 hustings. There's going to be a big debate, I think you said, on Monday with the on BBC. On Monday, yeah, with, with the first debate of the, of the two. Um, which, which will be crucial because ballots will start to go out on the 1st of August. Right. Which is only two weeks' time. Right. And, um, you know, most, most party members, I think, will fill in their ballots straight away, do, do it online. And uh, so Rishi Sunak's really got to turn it around in the, yeah. next, in the next And what of happens weeks. to the likes of Dominic Raab, to the likes of Michael Gove, to people mm. who would be regarded, I suppose, as big beasts? Uh, well, this in, is interesting because in Michael Gove uh, backed Kemi Badenoch and hasn't yet said who he supports yeah. of, the, of the final three. Mm. I don't know if he'll say who he supports of the final two because actually... If he's sensible, he'll keep uh, he'll keep quiet because he'll want a job from either of them. And yeah. if he su- if he supports one and not the other, then then and the other wins. I mean, considering that he did back Kemi uh, Badenoch, I presume that he will not be backing Rishi Sunak. I presume he would take well, that I position. Don't, I don't think that follows at all. No, because Kemi Badenoch, um, it, I mean, th- this business about left and right in the in the Conservative Party. I mean, mm. she really does does muddle it about because yeah. she's she's all you know she's. She's left on some things and and, and right wing on others. Yes, um, you know she's quite realistic. She she's relatively fiscally responsible, um, and she's a sort of moderniser. And presumably she will have right because she of all of the people there has raised her profile probably more than anyone. So yeah. she will probably get a cabinet. She post. will probably get a cabinet post. She's probably because done it, she done will well. bring things to the party in terms of support as well, right? Yeah. 
But and is there any opportunity, do you think, for her fans or her the people who voted for her to vote for Penny Morden? Because that would change everything as well. Uh, well, not judging by the the clash between them, where Kemi Badenoch, you know, in effect accused Penny Morden of lying yes. about the trans issue. Well, she wasn't um, the only one. I think who yeah. accused her of lying. <laughs> <the trans laughs> well, I think yeah, but they, they those were really quite sharp exchanges. So yeah. I, I doubt if there'd be okay. any love lost between them. But no, it's a fascinating question as to whether uh, you know who um, who Liz Truss's chancellor would be, for example, because mm. um, it it wouldn't be Rishi. Uh, after what's uh, you know what's passed between them, um, so you know presumably it'd be somebody like Simon Clark, who's the chief secretary to the treasury. Yes, absolutely right. Let's talk about prime minister's questions because it will be the final um, uh, Boris Johnson appearance, I suppose. Yeah. Um, he was. Quite... He did a sort of rehearsal for it appearance yes, last week. It he was, did. There was a sort of valedictory air mm, to the whole thing. And now, and now he's he's doing it again. It's a bit like Tony Blair's sort of uh, farewell tour of yes. the world. Where he sort of spun it out right. for for nearly a year, actually yeah. his departure. Right. Um, well, Boris will have plenty of opportunities to do more things, won't he, between now and September the fifth? I mean, he had his going away party from Checkers, but yeah. I bet you he'll be going back to Checkers between now and September the fifth a few times. Well, and um, he's got his memoirs to write. He sort of uh, hinted at, or threatened yeah. uh, to write them uh, right. last week, saying uh, he'd have he'd have plenty more to say about events yeah. in the last few weeks and, and his, weeks and, and months in and his course. exchanges with Sakia Starmer this week were quite kind of barbed as well, weren't they? Yes, absolutely. And I thought Keir Starmer, actually, you may disagree with me, I thought he was a little bit kind of graceless. Yes. Because what he could have said to Boris, he could have said in a much funnier kind of way. Yeah. But he didn't. No, he should have. I mean, uh, yeah, he missed. I think he absolutely missed a trick. He mm. should have. He should have praised Boris to the skies because that would have uh, that would made that would have made Tory MPs mm. squirm. Yeah, uh, he should have been. He should have been great, gracious. Yes, uh, and, and he could have been funny about you know. He, I suppose where's he going to go next? Is exactly. He find his way to the, the, the hallowed halls of Harper Collins, yeah. where he can write a book or you know who knows. But instead, he just went for the sour mm. sort of uh, anti-Tory. Uh, yeah. Boris is right. a, Boris is a horror. Yes, uh, has been a great week for Keir Starmer. Isn't he? did that ridiculous uh, campaign video in which he thought it'd be a great idea to wander through uh, Holocaust Memorial. I couldn't understand why he, anybody would do that and not realise how ridiculous it looks. Well, I mean, he was trying to he was he was trying to promote himself as a as, as a statesman, yeah. having, having visiting uh, visiting Germany and talking to Olaf Scholz, mm. uh, and obviously uh, yes, but it you didn't can, occur to him that. But, uh, but this, I mean, we talked about this quite a lot actually on a couple of other shows that I've been on the talk, uh, particularly in the evening, and you get the point. Um, with Keir Starmer, we go. Do you not actually get what people who accuse the Labour Party of anti-Semitism are on about? Because yeah. you've now basically done something which is so sort of tone deaf yeah. that you're looking like you're in a music video, walking through these kind of stones, yeah. as if it's some kind of you know ancient, um, you it know, was, it was, it was sacred a... site. But in fact, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't. Have, if you wanted to be shown to be there, fine, stand yeah. outside it, but not walking through it. Yeah, it was, it was a mistake, and uh, I'm. You know, I, th- I think he should have just uh, he should have apologised and just yes, but uh, he doubled down on it, didn't but, he? Instead, yeah, no, I mean this this is classic classic mm. politics. Yeah, people, but, I mean people don't realise that if they if they apologise and, uh, and and are gracious, then they then mm. then the public will be will, will well. Be look thin- at all the things that Boris Johnson could have been accused of over the years that he was prime minister, and look at all the things he could have been made to be sorry about and all things that you could have made him resign yeah. he ended up resigning over a guy touching some people up yes. in the Carlton Club yes. in the end and I mean that's what it's all about and that's it? yes that was the straw that broke yeah. the camel's back was right. that was was that Boris Johnson wouldn't say 
I made a mistake in yeah. appointing this guy. Right. He should have. He should have just. But said, he did eventually say it. Yeah. Well, eventually, he just didn't say it, soon it, enough. it was too late. <laughs> you know, he could have said, "I, you know, I wanted to give this guy a second chance." Yeah. I thought. I thought maybe he'd reformed. Right. I turned out to be wrong, and yeah. I'm very sorry about that. And if he instead, said that on day one, instead he said, "I didn't know anything about yeah. this guy," which you know was just it's totally ridiculous. And if he'd said that on day one, he'd still be prime minister. Well, it, I know he still well. is prime minister, but I mean, he would still be <laughs> Downing Street, and yeah. there would have been something else, no doubt. There, there would have been something else, probably this year because yes. I mean the pressure was building uh, for, for another vote right. of confidence so what does the Labour Party do over the summer we've got a Tory election um, leadership election process going on yeah. what does Starmer yeah, an abs- do absolute nightmare because the, the, the Conservatives will just suck up all the, the, the oxygen of publicity um, and you know, even if it's quite vicious mm. um, in fighting which I suspect it won't be actually yeah um, it, it'll just attract attention to the Conservative Party mm. and to the Conservative government and yeah. attract attention to the fact that we've got a new Prime Minister, uh, another fresh start. Yeah. Um, I mean, these fresh starts are going to start becoming unconvincing, Yes. Uh, I think, because there's so many of them now. Yeah. Uh, that actually, by the time we get to the next election, it will be you know, 12 years, well, of, you, I mean, uh, you just, 14 years yeah. by then. You can't keep saying government. fresh start and expecting everyone to believe it. No, you? exactly. It's so, clearly not fresh. Yeah, or even so, a start. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, I, I just think the Labour Party's got to lighten up mm. and Keir Starmer's got to lighten up. Is there the, any the chance that Keir Starmer term. doesn't make it to the next election, do you think? There's always a chance of that in politics, uh. but uh, I think the overwhelming assumption must be that he will be, he'll be the candidate and he's got to adjust his whole shtick because mm. his whole thing has been that he's Mr Integrity against right. uh, against this, this sort of clownish... Uh, clownish right. um, and, and, who, and, and whoever that now is uh, coming in September the, the 5th it's not going to be that person no it's going to be it's going to be Rishi Sunak who, mm. who's, who's very like Keir Starmer mm. in many ways um, you know a centrist um, person of integrity and all the rest of right. it uh, or it's going to be Liz Truss who's mm. going to be a very difficult opponent for, for Keir Starmer and no matter what um, anybody says about diversity and about the whole business of, of you know um, women being in charge of political parties. If it is we, whether it's Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak, either way, or even the, Penny Morden, <coughs> Labour still looks like a dinosaur. Yeah, Labour is just going to find right. it embar- acutely embarrassing, mm. and it's going to have that that point made repeatedly. Mm. Absolutely right. Well, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, I'm sure you'll be enjoying the final Prime Minister's questions before we recess. And it all goes on uh, coming up right here at 12 o'clock midday um, on uh, Talk TV. John Rental, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we will talk to you coming up after this. We're going to be going down to uh, College Green. Andrew Bowie is there. He's Tory MP for West Aberdeenshire and King Cardin. He's another one, a bit like John Rental, who thinks that Rishi Sunak's done a great job. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What world are these people living in? 0344 499 uh, 1000 is the number. Uh, we'll take uh, uh, your tweets as well. You can tweet us at Talk TV uh, at IROMG. Um, lots of people have been critical of me for apparently not seeing the light when it comes to Rishi Sunak. We're told, surely, are we not, that the Conservative Party, i.e. the body of the hall, the members of the Conservative Party who are going to vote in this election, don't like Rishi Sunak. That's what we're told. And if you're telling me that's different, then I want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, this is, of course, Talk TV. On the app, on your smart speaker, Talk Radio and Talk TV. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is the final swan song of Boris Johnson. The Prime Minister leaves uh, Parliament today. The Prime Minister's questions at 12 o'clock midday. You won't want to miss that. It'll be right here on Talk TV. Peter Cardwell will, of course, uh, be here along with me uh, to tell us what he makes of it all. Uh, will it be bad-tempered? Will it be good-natured? Will the guys have a bit of a laugh? Keir Starmer certainly was not, in my, in my view, classy uh, earlier this week when he started just having a go at Boris Johnson and telling him that he should get lost and get out and move on. Um, Boris Johnson, of course, remains, I think, very, very much a popular figure amongst many people in this country. It is the end of an era. It is the end of the Boris Johnson era. But who knows? He may come back. You never know. And will it be Rishi Sunak? In the final draw, it may well be. A lot of people think he is going to get in no matter what because there's lots of parliamentarians who want him there. Uh, will it be Liz Truss alongside him? Will it be Penny Mordaunt? Certainly the bookies seem to think it looks like it's going to be Liz Truss versus Rishi Sunak, in which case, you know, many people that call this show will say that is not what we want because that is basically a rerun of the previous government that got us into this terrible state uh, that we are in. Let's talk to Andrew Bowie, MP, Tory MP for West Aberdeenshire and Kincardine. We spoke to him, uh, I think it was last week, uh, and... Uh, I said then that I didn't think Rishi Sunak was going to be a popular figure within Conservative rank-and-file members. Let's find out whether that's changed. Andrew, very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mike. Good to be back. Thank you very much indeed. Last time you and I spoke, um, we we couldn't quite agree on Rishi Sunak's track record. What's changed, do you think, since uh, last week to this week? Everybody seems to think that he's going to find his way onto that ballot because a lot of uh, Tory MPs want him there. Um, How confident are you that if he does get there, that he can then win it? Well, I remain hopeful of changing your mind, uh, Mike. But, you know, we are uh, well, confident, give me some confident but not might, complacent. Might, you know, we, <laughs> we are confident but not complacent. You know, we've got the support of the, the majority of members of parliament as we go into the, the final ballot. And I hope that Rishi is able to make it onto that final two so that we can then go to the Conservative Party members across the country and make the case that Rishi is the, is the person who has been tested in government. He's been proven in a crisis. He's the person with a plan to get inflation down. As we heard Simon Clark just saying in the news just there, we need a plan to drive down inflation so we can get to a place to grow the economy and to cut taxes and I think when we get out to the country and start making that point to the members of my party then uh, then I think they will they will do the right thing and they'll back him to be prime minister but this final ballot comes on the same day that inflation has hit a 40-year high 9.4 percent families are facing an incredible squeeze now on everything from food to fuel uh, to travel to almost everything you can think of going up massively in price and whether he likes it or not Rishi Sunak has to take some of the blame for that, doesn't he? I don't think he does. I mean, he's been the Chancellor that's been doing more than most to try and help people with the cost of living on a day-to-day basis. The inflation uh, hike that we're seeing right now is caused almost uh, entirely due to the invasion of Ukraine and the uh, record high uh, energy prices that we're seeing. What we need to do is get to a place where we can drive that down to help people with the cost of living even more. And if we elect Rishi Sunak as leader, I think he's the one that will have a plan to do just that. We saw just this this morning him publishing his energy plan to make the UK self-sufficient, energy secure, energy sovereign by 2045. That's something that I would like to see. It would certainly benefit my constituents in the northeast of Scotland who uh, rely on the oil and gas sector for the majority of their employment in my neck of the woods. So I think we've got the plan to do just that. And he's the man that I'm I'm backing to be PM, as you know. Couldn't we expect to see a few more detailed plans for Rishi Sunak over the course of the summer, um, assuming that he is in the final two? Um, What would be the programme of events for that kind of thing? I know there's going to be hustings, there's going to be things being said, but will he be taking to uh, the airwaves? Will he be taking to newspaper columns and actually explaining what he's going to do to bring prices down? Yeah, 100%. 
100%. I mean, over the next few days and weeks, we're going to be seeing more and more uh, policy positions uh, outlined and explained in more detail by Rishi. If we are lucky enough to get into that final two uh, this evening, uh, and we'll be seeing much more on what he will do in terms of growing the economy, in terms of supporting the energy sector, in terms of defence and security. But what we need to do right now is make sure that he gets into that final two so that he can go and make that pitch and explain those policies to Conservative Party members and indeed the wider UK uh, population. I mean, he is the most popular uh, of the three left in the competition with the wider UK public. So people in my party have to remember that when they go and cast their ballot as to who they would like to see uh, in number 10 for the next two years ahead of the next general election. Well, you say he's more popular than the other two uh, women, Liz Truss and Penny Morden, but that may well be that people don't know uh, Liz Truss and Penny Morden as well as they do Rishi Sunak. He's a very familiar face to a lot of people because obviously he spoke an awful lot during the, the COVID pandemic and he did um, uh, um, give an awful lot of money away. But it may well be also that he is seen as the guy that stabbed Boris Johnson in the back when it comes to uh, the local Conservative associations that are going to be voting for him or against him over the course of the summer, no? But look, I mean, Rishi Sunak took a decision uh, last week, two weeks ago now, sorry, that he could not uh, defend uh, what was going on with the number 10 or in the wider government. And so he took the very difficult decision uh, to step away, to step down from his position as Chancellor of the Exchequer. But all the way through Boris's premiership, all the way through the pandemic and in, uh, the la over the last year and the last few months, uh, he has stood at Boris's right hand side delivering for the British people, getting the big calls on the pandemic, on supporting the people and government of Ukraine, on in, uh, initiating our response to the cost of living situation. You know, they worked very, very closely together. So it was a very difficult thing for Rishi to do, to have to step away from government. But I think he did the right thing. It was simply impossible for him to defend uh, what was going on uh, within government or how number 10 were reacting to events uh, two weeks ago. And so that's why he did what he did. He certainly didn't stab him in the back. It was, wasn't that at all. No, OK. Uh, some people think it was that, um, but you may have a different view. What about the likes of Michael Gove um, and Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nadine Dorries, the sort of Boris loyalists? Will they find themselves um, in cabinet positions under a Rishi Sunak government? I don't know if Michael Gove, having been sacked by Boris, would be able to be described as a, a Boris loyalist anymore. But everybody else, yeah, look, we want a government of all the talents. Rishi wants to bring people together from across the entire party, all of those that have delivered in the past and all of those that will be able to deliver in the future. We're blessed. We've got a majority of near 80 in there. We've got a, a really diverse, engaging, exciting parliamentary party. So many new people coming through and showing promise. And I think that the next government will demonstrate that, as well as drawing on some of the experience of the past. And yeah, of course, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Nadine Dora should be in consideration because they've delivered and some in the departments that they have led uh, under Boris Johnson. I think that everybody should be in the frame for a job, should they want it. OK. Andrew, good to talk to you again. Thank you very much indeed. Andrew Bowie, the Tory MP for Aberdeenshire and Cardin Pro, Rishi Sunak. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say about all of that. Terry is in Essex. Hello, Terry. Yes, good morning, Mike. Morning, sir. Um, last week, um, I was a real sort of fired up with Kemi. Mm. Kemi Badnock. Yeah. And... I thought we were going to, you know, the way she was built up, I thought, God, we're going to have a black Margaret Thatcher here. Mm. Great, you yeah. know, right. inspire. But I found her not in the least inspiration at all. Um, I, I think a lot of them are pretty dull. Yeah, I um, think she was very much hyped up by those people who uh, yeah. thought she was the most right wing of, of the lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I thought she was quite uninspiring, actually. Yeah, very. I think... Well, the only thing that Rishi has done really to inspire anybody is um, to do furlough mm. and uh, spend out the money. Yeah. But um, 
better than that. No, he's not exactly all the fire, is he either? Well, this is, I mean, it's not, it's not a great... And this is why I still say Penny Morden, yeah. at least, uh, would be an interesting Prime Minister. I think she would be the best yeah. Prime Minister out of the three of them left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Liz Truss has done a lot with um, bringing deals into the country and that, you know, around, from around the world. But she's another one. She's very... She just sort of stands there, very uninspiring, doesn't... You know, I mean, when, when Maggie used to come out, she used to inspire you. I mean, yeah. we, we all got rich... And bought lovely houses, yeah. Council houses, and we've all moved up. And also, know? yeah, everybody got decent jobs in the city, which they couldn't get before, and they moved up uh, socially up the social ladder. You know, there's none of that yeah. now, is there? No. If you're no, not up no, there no. already, you're not getting there, and I think that's the bottom line. <laughs> Terry, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Terry in Essex was hoping uh, for the emergence of a new Margaret Thatcher. We're not seeing that. Uh, I still say Penny Morden is the one uh, that I think will. Uh, sort of um, grab uh, the British public the most. I think Rishi Sunak will be dull. I think he'll be boring. And I don't think he's a particularly great uh, Chancellor. I don't think you should give him a chance to run the government. I think Liz Truss is also dull, uh, very um, sort of, you know, plodding, not very inspirational. The only real inspirational figure for me right now is Penny Morden. You know it makes sense. 0344 499 1000. Can you imagine if I was proved right again? Imagine how unbearable I would be. This is Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Got a great uh, text here from Tony, uh, a tweet actually. He says, uh, Talk TV, it seems to me that Mike, Mike, this Mike Graham chap, as he says, is using the same techniques as GMB, Sky and the BBC. He asks questions of the invited, but then talks over them continually. Why? If he just wants to spout his own opinion, then don't ask anyone else for theirs. I don't think you quite figured out exactly what we do here, Tony, I'm afraid. Uh, we have John Rental here for half an hour. He has plenty of time to get his views out, uh, to get his views heard. That's why we do it. We do that in the wake of what it is that we know that our viewers want. Uh, nobody else does that. You won't get that at GMB, where you get about a minute and a half to give your opinion. Uh, at Sky, you get maybe five minutes. At the BBC, you might get six. Here, you get half an hour. Why don't you call me up and give me your opinion? apart from your opinion on me. Let us talk now, though, to Jasmine Bursles, because breaking news this morning uh, is that inflation has risen yet again. The Consumer Price Index inflation has risen to 9.4% in June. That's up from 9.1% in May. I know a lot of people will say, hang on a minute, I thought it was already 11%. Well, yes, it might already be there in reality, but actually these are the official figures, and it's from the Office for National Statistics. It's the highest level since 1982, uh, and sadly, I'm old enough to remember that. Jasmine Bertels is here. I would not suggest that she is. Uh, Jasmine, a very good morning to you. Well, I was in nappies at the of time, course. obviously. Abs- yeah, yeah, absolutely definitely. right. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't actually, I didn't have much money in 1982, so I don't think it affected me quite so much, I suppose, as, as it does now. But what does this mean for the consumer, Jasmine? Because obviously 9.4% is very high. We're seeing all sorts of uh, you know, requests and demands for, for more wages from public sector workers, mm-hmm. from, from mm-hmm. maybe some private sector workers as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when you go to the shops this weekend to buy your groceries, what will this mean? Well, yeah, you know, in a way, what we, what it does is these figures show us what we know already, essentially, because it looks back at the last month and it says, oh, guess what? Prices went up and, and you know, we, the consumer, go, no kidding. Think we, we actually yeah. noticed that. And actually, I mean, you, you mentioned 11%. I personally think it's more like 20%. Really? really? You know, inflation figures, I think, are kept low, not just in this country. I mean, you know, same in Europe, same in, in America. I, I don't think any of them are, are real. Um, so, yeah, it means 
as we all know, that prices are going up. And that means that we are, we as consumers are having to cut back on the, the fun things because we're spending more, more on just the basics of living, food, energy, petrol, mm. particularly. These are the three big ones that, that people are struggling with. Yes, although we're still seeing quite a lot of people travelling. I mean, it may well be that they book these holidays that they're, they're able to take or not able to take, depending on the, the airline, um, many, many months ago. And it may well be that they're, well, they're going to pay for it sometime in the future. But, you know, yeah. there doesn't seem to be, and I know that it depends on which part of the country you live in, there doesn't seem to me to be um, an outbreak of people sort of not going out. You know, everywhere you walk around, certainly in London, it seems pretty busy. People are still spending money. Um, mm -hmm. But at some point, presumably, that will stop. Well, yes, it will. And yeah, I agree. I, I live in Kensington and, you know, there are a few restaurants here that are absolutely packed constantly. And I go past thinking, what recession, what 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 inflation, you know. So there are absolutely, there, there are certain sectors of the community who have got money, they're spending it, they're quite happy mm. with it. But there are other sectors of the community and, and probably the ones that we're not seeing because they're not going out, who are really struggling. I mean, you know, for example, just a research from ASDA, which, which deals with a lot of people on, on the lowest incomes. And they're saying that half of UK parents of school age kids are borrowing money from friends and family mm. to keep the kids entertained over the summer as you know the summer holidays yes. are really tough for a lot of families so um you know and that's just one the, the, I'm, I'm constantly getting research from all sorts that are saying people are struggling parents are struggling single parents particularly are struggling so if you're on a low income um, and the food banks have been reporting that they're now getting people working people coming to the food banks mm. now that is you know that is a problem yeah but when you see things like butter um costing seven pounds i mean that famous lurpak sort of spreadable butter and it was a big one you know it mm. seems extraordinary that anybody would yeah. pay that for it and presumably no. at some point this will have a knock-on effect to the manufacturers you know, because they'll be selling less of their stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's all the way through the supply chain. I was talking to a couple of farmers uh, the other day and they said it costs a lot to produce food, you know, and the price of fertiliser has quadrupled in the last year. I, um, again, I know a couple of farmers who are not using fertilisers now. Um, they're leaving some fields fallow because they just can't afford to do it and so there are some farmers that are basically going out of business because they say they can't afford to produce the food whatever it is mm. at the price that the supermarkets are willing to pay the supermarkets are under pressure from us the consumers but you know if if their original costs and then we've got you know the cost of delivering things mm. it going up because of, of the price of petrol we're just going to have to to you know deal deal with this. I mean, somebody said you know uh, there were a few reports when we had the jubilee that in the fifties we spent thirty percent of our income on food. Yeah. Um, recently, it's gone down to about sort of eleven percent. Mm. But it may have to be that we get back to the point where we realise that we have to spend a higher percentage of our income on food yeah. now. And and in terms of what people can do uh, to sort of keep the wolf from the door, as it were, to try and make savings when everything's going up, what, what's your advice for them? Well, firstly, get as much free help as you can. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, turntous.org.uk because mm. not only do they have a benefits calculator <clears throat> that you can use, and um, people the benefits are sometimes underpaid. They're also sometimes overpaid. But, you know, it's worth checking to see if 
you're you maybe have something that you you're not applying for but also they have access to grants free grants actual charity money um for all sorts of things i mean people you know there, there are vegetarians or somebody who live people who live in hull or um people who work in the caravan industry people who work in the drinks industry loads and loads of them very specific um charities which you might be able to get and also get get as much as you can for free um again there are apps like olio and too good to go which are marvelous for putting you in touch with very cheap local food mm. from cafes and restaurants um but also um if you've got kids there are you know quite a lot of of companies are realizing that the summer holidays are difficult um and in my daily mail column this saturday i'm going to be going through quite a few places where kids can eat for free or for a pound you know as does one um also um um well ikea actually has got free free meals for kids you have to pay something, you know, for yourself. Yeah. Yo, sushi's got it, um, Harvester. So there are quite a lot where you can actually go out. Okay, you may have to pay for your own meal, mm. but um, ch- kids can eat for a pound or even for free. Yes, and that is a very, very big help to an awful lot of people, mm. particularly if you've got um, a few kids uh, rather than just one. And in terms mm. of um, where we go from here, because a lot of people say to me that, you know, inflation is high. Uh, it's also high in other parts of the world, but it's not as high. So other countries are not struggling quite as much as we are with the inflation. Well, yes and no. I mean, in Turkey, it's 75%. So, you know, <laughs> at least we haven't got that. <laughs> Um, Estonia or Lithuania, no, Lithuania, it's about 19%. Mm. Um, but then you've got, um, well, Sweden, which didn't lock down 4.5%. There's a funny thing. Um, yeah, funny. Funny, isn't it? Mm. Exactly. Um, and, I, you know, the, it, it is generally um, a problem in the West, in the countries that locked down, that um, had quantitative easing, pushed loads of cash into the, the system, mm amazingly somehow we created inflation who who'd have thought hey yeah exactly right well we'll look out for your column uh, in the mail on saturday jasmine thank you very much indeed jasmine Bertels, personal finance expert just remember throughout the cost of living crisis you can rely on us here at talk tv to give you the best consumer advice there is uh, because if you've got questions that you want answering uh, we'll talk to jasmine Bertels on a regular basis and other experts on how you can save money uh, and just give us a call and and tell us what you need to know oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand the news that inflation has hit nine point four percent Let's talk to Brian, who's in South End. Hello, Brian. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Yes, not too bad, thank Good you. man. What can I do for you, sir? Well, I was impressed with the ding-dong you had with uh, John Rentor. He's a good man, isn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my take on it is this, that, you know, from Thatcher onwards, we've got it wrong on the economy, yeah. probably before, but it, uh, people can't... You can't run an economy like a household budget. No. You've got to think it, can't think in two dimensions, money in, money out, and how much you're going to spend. You've got to think about, well, it comes round again, how mm. do we get it back round again? Yeah. And then the, the fourth dimension is time, is how quickly that all happens. Yeah. And it doesn't seem view, to have been any long-term planning for a long time, does it? Well, that's it. You, you've got to have a strategy and, and calculations. And, right. and the thing is that, that, that none of the above, you know, in the sense of the, the people we're looking at for the conservative uh, position... They're, they're clueless. They haven't got any ideas. No, nothing. No one can think out of the box. But uh, you know, if I can, if I can just just elaborate a little, yeah. is that is that money? When people say we're short of money, it's because we're in a small pool of money that's sitting there. We're all trying to 
you know, get a living out of it. Mm. And there's a great big pool of money that's just sitting there for years, you know, on end. And without that pool of money coming into the economy, you know, uh, it, it's, it, that's the thing that's causing mm. the issue. Right. So and what, you think we need more money in the economy then? Well, the, the, the stagnant money. Yeah. Money that sits in wealthy people's safes, pockets, uh, companies, countries. Yeah. Our currency, but isn't that money needed to be invested in? If you like, though, so like for example, your pension uh, benefits from the fact that that money sits somewhere and makes uh, interest. Well, in my in my world, you'd have one pension from the government, and it'll be a thousand pound a week, enough to to make us all, you know, live uh, well. Mm. And the thing is, is that is that the money sitting there doing nothing costs us so much heartache. I would put a spend-by money electric on, on, on money electronics. Mm. We use cards. You know, money comes in. You've got a certain time in which to spend it. Yes, we all need money for a rainy day, you know, but there must be a way of making people who are sitting on wealth spend it. Sounds a bit like socialism, Brian. Not what you, uh, not what you sit on. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's an interesting point. Uh, we'll take that and run with it. Brian says, uh, get the people who sit on money to spend it. What would that do? Wouldn't that make it more inflationary? This is Talk TV. On the app, on your mobile, Talk Radio and Talk TV. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Lots to do today because it is, of course, the final Boris Prime Minister's questions. Although, uh, not if some people get their way because some people out there in the Conservative Party have decided that Boris Johnson was removed uh, in some ways prematurely, uh, very possibly unlawfully, uh, even though there is no actual law that governs whether he stays or goes. Uh, There are rules, of course, inside the 1922 committee. We're going to speak very shortly to David Bannerman, a former Conservative MEP, uh, a man who knows a thing or two about proper conservatism. And he, uh, with the backing of Lord Crudders, 
has launched a petition to try and get Boris Johnson put back on the ballot. That would mean when the final two names go forward after today, uh, whether it's uh, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, whether it's Rishi Sunak and Penny Morden, whether it's Penny Morden and Liz Truss, that Boris Johnson's name would be added to that uh, in addition to those two names so that you could actually, if you wanted to, uh, vote for Boris Johnson. We don't know whether that could happen. We don't know whether it will happen. What we do know uh, from David's Twitter is that he's quoting from an opinion poll by Opinion Research, which basically says that under any government uh, led by either Rishi Sunak, Morden or Truss, they would all be trading behind Labour at this particular moment in time. So we're going to talk to David and see uh, what he wants to do about that. 0344 499 1000. We'll continue to take your calls, of course, as well. Uh, we'll be talking to Henry Bolton in this hour too and Alicia Kearns, Tory MP for Rutland and Melton, who is behind Penny Mordant's campaign. But let's say, first of all, a very good morning to David Bannerman. David, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you. I know you're on holiday, so I appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, this is a fascinating situation, isn't it? Because clearly uh, Boris Johnson has been kind of, uh, in some of your views uh, and in some people's view, um, removed prematurely and certainly without reference to those who elected him in the Conservative Party overall. Um, what's your kind of legal basis for this? Well, actually, the uh, party, the Conservative Party, has um, Article 17 of the Constitution allows the party board to do whatever it thinks is best on behalf of the party. Um, and what we're doing, what we're asking is not like a third name with the other two going forward, but to have a separate ballot, uh, what we call a Boris ballot, mm. uh, which is basically a straight yes or no. Do you want to keep him or, or dismiss him? Uh, but the membership decide, not MPs, the membership. And if and where would that then appear, though? Because, I mean, presuming that the two names that go forward today are the two names on which, you know, you vote, how does this kind of run side by side with that then? Well, what we envisage, and of course, a lot of it's done online now, but right. uh, you just another box, a yes, no box. Um, you know, do you want to retain Boris Johnson as leader of the party? Because he still is as we speak mm. um uh, do you, you know do you want to do that or do you want to dismiss him and if you dismiss him then you've got the the other two names there that will uh, one of those will win okay and i think that's the way that the, the membership should be treated you know with some respect yes because your problem with this from what i can see that you've said in the past is that you know it was the members that elected boris it was the members that chose boris last time around so it should be them uh, that are the ones that, that that remove him rather than the parliamentary party yeah i mean there's a there's a campaign going on at the moment amongst remainers frankly uh, we had david Mellor this morning we you know we've had um uh, various MBs, you know, saying, well, cut out the membership. The members mm. shouldn't be able to vote. And it's outrageous. I mean, it, you know, we, we got denied the opportunity last time with Theresa May. And look how that, uh, that turned <laughs> out. Yeah. Down to 9%. We were competing with UKIP for votes at that point. I mean, it was a disaster. And that was because she wasn't found out in Hustings, Theresa May. Had she gone into Hustings, I think they would have thought, heaven's sake, you know, anything but this. Mm. And would have saved a lot of pain and nearly putting Corbyn in number 10. Yeah. So let's, have, let's treat the membership with some respect, give them a proper a vote uh, on this. Yes. And if it was to be the case that they voted to keep him, then what would you do with the other ballot? Would you just dismiss it then? Yes, because the members will have decided, they would have had the choice, they will have decided 
uh, to keep Boris as their leader. Mm. And I think it's like a referendum on Boris, 50 plus 1 percent. Um, I think that's the way forward. There's a lot of anger. Um, you know, central officers are well aware of this. We've been inundated. We've been asked, you know, please don't send so many emails because they're inundated. Mm. Members are absolutely furious. And you can see in the polls today, we're down 10%. Every one of the, uh, the three contenders is at least 10% behind Boris. Yeah. He was 4% at, at worst behind Starmer, and he could win, and we need him back. Yeah. I think that's... Has anybody actually has, has anybody actually asked Boris Johnson if he wants to stay? Uh, yeah, well, uh, we are in communication with him and, and close advisors, and and uh, we understand he's up for the fight. Yeah, right, because he doesn't look particularly like a broken man. I mean, ever since the day that he actually announced that he was leaving, uh, he seemed quite happy. Uh, in fact, at one point or other in the midst of that speech, I said, this guy looks so happy. He's probably got something up his sleeve. Maybe he's going to enter the race in some way, shape or form. Uh, he's, he was on good, great form last week at PMQs. Similarly, this week when he was talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the, sort of the final uh, farewell, as it were. And I presume today he'll give Keir Starmer another kicking uh, because Starmer's so hopeless. So, you know, we will miss him. Well, I mean, uh, the members should decide whether they want to keep him. I mean, if you, as you say, if you look at the polls, it's been disastrous, this. It's Tory Harakiri. Yeah. It, you know, just sort of um, doing yourselves down, and and it, it's not a great way to go. And to be honest, you know, it's only down to 50 MPs that have, have resigned from his government. Uh, it, you know, the herd instinct, as he put mm. it. Um, let's test that with the membership. And the MPs are responsible to those uh, members. Let's not forget that. They select them. Um, and also, you know, the wider public, who, who still, the polls are showing that they're very pro-Boris. And, you know, yes, there were things that he should have apologised for, which he did. But I think the public are, are ready to move on. There's, there's much more serious challenges uh, to be faced uh, and, you know, maybe Boris is the best thing uh, for those. Well, certainly looking at the assembled throng, uh, the three that are left, I mean, there's nobody there particularly that fills you with any great sense of inspiration. I mean, I quite like uh, Penny Morden just because of the way that she appears to, to conduct herself. But, I mean, I've got no necessary faith in her uh, political nous or her political belief system, you know. And I think all of them are rather second division when it comes to uh, being prime minister. Yes, I, I think Boris is in the Premier. Um, mm. I could argue, you know, with, with, this is championship now. I mean, look, I don't know. I, I'm backing Liz Truss. I, she's she's a lot of guts. Um, she takes tough decisions. She, she's worked under three prime ministers, goes back to Cameron. She's got the experience. I don't like what Rishi's done. He led this coup. He's been working for his own mm. uh, pain for six months at our expense. You know, a lot of decision, government decisions seem to have been put to one side due to this uh, coup. Uh, and Penny Morden, well, you know, she's very presentable, but she's very woke too, I'm afraid. Mm. And I, I don't like that aspect. Um, uh, you know, the book that she wrote, that there's a lot coming out of that. A lot of military people saying that she hasn't really served yeah. fully. And, you know, I'm not bashing her because I've got a lot of respect for her. But, you know, I'm sorry, this is not going to stand the heat um, that, that Prime Minister mm. goes through and, you know, maybe another time, but not now. And if you don't get Boris back um, and he does leave, do you fear that the Labour Party actually could win the next election? 
Yes, I do, I'm afraid. I mean, look, it's a, it's a tall order anyway for anyone. I've been in politics for a long time. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, we're asking for a fifth term of government. People forget that. We got in 2010, but we've had so many elections since, thanks mm. to Theresa May, for example. Um, it's a fifth term of office we're asking for. And I believe genuinely that actually only Boris will actually be able to deliver that. I think it's a tough call for any new leader coming in. Um, I hope it's the case. I think some of the Liz Truss's policies on the economy are transformative. Mm. I, I that. But it's a tough call in those circumstances. And what are you hearing about some of the other names that we don't yet know uh, about in terms of who they're going to support? Michael Gove, uh, of course, was was backing uh, Kemi Badenoch. Uh, we've got Priti Patel and Ben Wallace still kind of undecided. What are you hearing on the grapevine? Well, um, a lot of MPs, quite rightly, you know, they keep their cards close to the chest. Um, the thing about MPs deciding, obviously, they're in the village. Um, they know all these people. There's a lot of personal relationships. And I, I, I'm the same. You know, there's people I will not knock. Uh, Graham Brady is a friend. I think he's, he's a very dignified guy. Mm. So, I mean, you know, they will keep their counsel. And some of them won't actually declare at all, you know, and fair enough. You know, they don't have to. It can be a, it's a secret ballot. Um, but let's see what happens. I think what worries me is Michael Gove is quite a manoeuvre mm. behind Kemi, and he'll be saying, you know, oh, come on, support Rishi. Uh, I suspect that's going on, and mm. that is very fundamental. Today is very fundamental, um, and, you know, knocking Penny out today, I think, is very fundamental, obviously, as well. Yeah. And those votes go. I want to see Rishi and Liz Truss in that final two and I hope Liz really wins it hands down. But they could be a Boris ballot and, and uh, we still have Boris as leader. Yes. And when will you know whether that happens? Um, well, we're talking, obviously, to um, the party, to the Boris team. Um, it, it's unclear at the moment. We, we, we will go to law if necessary. Mm. Uh, we are consulting some top lawyers on this. We don't want to go down that path, but... Um, We've got Lord Crudders behind this, who, who's a big beast. He's a huge funder of the Conservative Party, very loyal to the Conservative Party. Um, and he is serious uh, about, you know, we'll go whatever it takes to challenge this. But the board has the power under Article 17. It can do what, what on earth it wants. It could stop the leadership contest tomorrow, which is... But it has this power under Article 17. We're asking him to say, well, look, this is really bad for the, the party. It's going to end up in a split party. We're going to lose the next election out for 10 years, potentially, unless you allow the members this vote. And if it's a no for Boris, then we can all move on and unite behind a new leader. But if you don't do it, there's always going to be a big problem. And, and you know, you could find people will go elsewhere or just not vote at all. We don't want that. No. And William Hague um, urged everybody to vote for Rishi Sunak yesterday. Um would you say that uh, many people in the party will do that? Well, I'm sorry. There's an awful lot um, of people thinking they're backing a potential winner. Obviously, Rishi is a big, uh, you know, a, a big candidate, um, and they want jobs out of it. There's a lot of that going on. Mm. I think William Hague is, has behaved disgracefully, to be honest. I mean, he's been he's, he he said that Boris should go. What's his game? He's another globalist. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you know, Rishi is a globalist. He's into the plugged into all that all that banking world, yeah. global banking world, um, 
and Hague is plugged into that banking world. And, you know, it, it's there's a danger of this being, you know, it, it's about wider global interests rather than what the British public mm. wants. And that is not healthy. And Penny Morden is also a great fan of the World Economic Forum. She's been there. Um, her book is, you know, just straight out of the WEF um, textbook. I mean, you know, it, it's worrying, actually, just what's going on here. It is an assault, another assault, like uh, EU assaulted uh, us, uh, and then we got Brexit. This is another globalist assault on our democracy, and we've got to fight back. OK. Well, good luck with it, David. I think it would be a great thing to get Boris Johnson onto the ballot. Uh, we shall see whether that can happen. David Bannerman, former Conservative MEP. What do you make of that? Uh, this is Talk TV. On DAB Plus, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, JB says this, uh, Mike, it seems you're sticking by your guns and backing one of the wokest MPs in the whole party to be our next Prime Minister. Did you spend the afternoon in the midday sun? Uh, well, I didn't actually, no. Um, but the point about... Uh, Penny Morden is that uh, you may not like some of the things that she says, you might not like some of the things that she stands for, but I don't see anything that Liz Truss is offering or that Rishi Sunak is offering uh, which tells me that they would do a better job than she would. So all of this anti-Penny Morden stuff puzzles me quite frankly. I don't understand why so many Tories don't want to see her in charge because she would do a far better job in my view uh, than either Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak and probably better job than both of them put together. Let's talk to Alicia Kearns MP uh, for Rutland and Melton. Uh, she agrees with me and thinks Penny would be the right person for the job. Alicia, very good morning to you. Morning, how are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much indeed. I'm getting a lot of stick from people because I picked Penny Morden quite a while ago, long before uh, Kemi decided uh, to, to, to leave and long before Tom Tugendhat uh, was out of the race as well. So, you know, my view is this. I don't think any of the candidates are going to offer you everything that you necessarily want. Um, but I was very impressed with Penny Morden's uh, uh, sort of campaign speech when she started the campaign. Um, you know, there, is, there are th some things that she may have said in the past that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. But, but you know, she seems to me the most prime ministerial candidate. Look, absolutely. They, she is someone who has a vision. And when people watch her video, whether it's the one of Portsmouth explaining her story and who she is or whether it was her launch, they can see that she has a vision for our country. They can see that she has sense of duty to her country in her blood. And you know what? Of course, there are policies we don't always agree with every single time. That is exactly how politics works in such a broad party. But she is someone that people are flocking to because she has such a strong vision and clear policy. Mm. And a lot will come down today, won't it, to where the other votes are going to go, uh, the ones that Kemi's supporters had. Have you got any indication of what's going to happen there? Look, all I can do is continue to do what we have done since Penny announced her leadership, which is put forward this positive vision, someone who will bring back down-to-earth politics, who's focused on delivering. She wants a politics where people can feel, and when they talk about politics, that politicians are on their side, that they can feel the difference when they have the discussions at their kitchen table. And I really hope my colleagues see that she is the person, if we want change, if we don't want continuity, if we want someone who will put forward meaningful policies that will lead this country to where it needs to go and who will win elections, that is Penny. And that's what I'm saying to all my colleagues today. And all I can do is my best to back up and support the person I really believe in. And what do you say to those uh, members who might say that she's too woke and that she's got uh, the wrong kind of instincts and that we just spoke to David Bannerman there, who's yeah. a former Conservative MEP. And to be fair, he wants to have Boris Johnson back on the ballot. Um, he thinks that she's uh, too much of a globalist. 
look, I think if people want to throw mud and they want to focus their time on doing that rather than putting forward their own candidate, let them do that. But you don't win Portsmouth North and make it a go from a marginal to a conservative seat by being woke. You don't fight in the army. You're not the only woman in the Navy, apologies, uh, by being woke. She is someone who stands up for people, fights for communities. And the people of Portsmouth stood behind her. And now it's time that MPs do the same. And what about her uh, sort of leadership skills in terms of who she would bring with her? Because she seems to be a very unpopular person. I've been really surprised by uh, the attacks that have been given, uh, given brought to bear on her, like by the likes of Lord Frost and Lord Moylan, uh, which seem to be sort of over and above... Um, necessary. Look, I think the attacks are actually a sign of how threatened people are because she is so popular. She's a unifier. She brings people together from across the party. And look at people like David Davis. They've been very clear that the reason he's backing her, because when it came to the Chequers meeting, she was the one with a plan. She was the one that put forward a vision of Brexit and she was the one that fought for things in a sensible and measured and leadership way. And she is the person who will bring leadership to our party, who will make us proud to stand with a Conservative brand. You know, she's a fantastic person. She's going to unify. And that's why we've seen so many attacks focused on her, I believe. And in terms of the, um, the, the three candidates that are left, I mean, if she was to become um, one of the final two, uh, lots of polls would suggest that uh, if the other person is Rishi Sunak, she would win that. Um, would she have a place in her cabinet for Rishi Sunak? Look, that's, I don't think that's a conversation that's taken place in terms of where we are right now. It's definitely something that I've been party to. But I do believe that Penny would be somebody who would want to unite the party. Throughout all of this, Penny's been very clear that she'll fight the campaign as she would govern. And that's somebody who would unify our party. And I think that's what she would continue to do. But I think right now she's focused on making the case to her colleagues. And that's what she's going to continue to do. Right. Thank you very much indeed. Alicia Kearns, uh, Tory MP for Rutland and Melton, supporting Penny Morden uh, in her quest to become uh, not necessarily the next Prime Minister, but certainly uh, one of the final two people uh, that uh, various members of the Conservative Party can choose. Uh, Big day in politics, says Peter Cardwell. He's coming up, of course, uh, later on with me uh, here at midday for Prime Minister's Questions. It's Boris Johnson's final swan song, uh, if you like. Let's speak to Jenny, uh, who's in High Wycombe. Hello, Jenny. Hello again. How are you doing? Uh, yes, well, thank you. Um, th- thanks for taking my call again. Um, I just wanted to say, yes, Boris should be on the ballot paper. We mm. didn't ask for him to be removed. And if they do that, and I have sent them a message this morning saying, you do that and that's it. I'm withdrawing my support. I'm no longer going to pay to be a member of the Conservative Party. That's it. Mm. We, didn't, we didn't ask you to do this. This was your decision. You all got together and just decided to do it yourselves without asking us, the members, how dare you. Mm. And, uh, and I shall withdraw my membership. And they better watch out because they do that and they're going to lose their seats. Mm. There's not a chance I would vote for that slick Sunak. No. Sunak, not I think, has made an awful lot of enemies. And I don't understand why the parliamentary... But, it, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because it shows you how out of touch, in a way, the parliamentary yes. party is with the yes. members. Well, come on. He has raised taxes 50. There's a cost of living crisis and that multi-millionaire Sunak has raised taxes 15 times recently. And now how how is that for the cost of living? Great. Well, I mean, he obviously doesn't care about the cost of living crisis because he was spotted up in Cleveland walking around a building site in 500 500 pound Prada shoes. Yeah, and, and, you know, driving somebody else's little car so yeah. he can look as if he's a man of the people. I mean, mm. what a load of old rubbish. I know. When I lived in Beckinsale, I live down the road now, um, we got rid of Grieve um, because he wanted to stay in the EU, and I voted out. I'm, an, I'm a fluent French speaker. I'm very fond of the French. 
but I did not want to be governed by the EU. Mm. And Grieve was a Remainer. And we, um, we campaigned to get rid of him, and we got rid of well him. Well done. They should watch themselves yeah. because I tell you, they're going to regret this. And these ones that have got together and uh, and been so treacherous, which is exactly what it is. It's treachery. Uh, honestly, they will lose their seats. I think no I think you I think you speak for an awful lot of people, Jenny. Thank you for that very impassioned plea there uh, against Rishi Sunak. Not a man of the people. Sonia in Eastbourne uh, says similarly uh, what uh, she thinks. Penny all the way says Sonia. Rishi is too rich and out of touch. He has had his chance. Liz Truss really has zero charisma. Can't talk in public. Had strange arm movements like a robot. She does not convince me. Both have worked with Boris in recent times. We want someone fresh. Penny commands authority and makes sense to me. She seems more down to earth. Well, exactly right. Um, Very perspicacious of you there, uh, Sonia. And Jenny in High Wycombe, absolutely not having Rishi Sunak uh, as a snake uh, and a man who stabbed Boris Johnson in the back anywhere near Downing Street. I think she's right. I think Penny Morden is the only answer, isn't she? This is, of course, Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. This is, of course, the one place where you find common sense, the one place where you hear the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We are not like any other outlet out there. Uh, We will not conceal things from you. We will not tell you that facts are not facts. We will never tell you uh, that an issue is not something that we can discuss because right now we're going to discuss one of the issues that in fact was not discussed on either of the two big debates, either on Channel 4 uh, or on ITV um, and not really even on the Conservative Home conversation that was had um, last Friday between the, the various different candidates for the Tory party leadership and the one subject that so many people tell me they want to hear about and they want to know about is what's going to happen with the legal migrant crossings. How is each one of these candidates going to deal with them? Because we've heard Rishi Sunak in an interview saying that he would maintain the Rwanda policy, but he hasn't actually uh, sorted out or said what he would do in terms of actually making it happen. And I think we've heard Penny Morden saying that she wouldn't do away with the ECHR, which wouldn't be very helpful unless you can find another way around getting these people to Rwanda. But let's talk now to Henry Bolton, chairman of BritPAC, international borders expert, of course, uh, because we've just been told the migrant levels have reached already this year 15,000. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if that's a gross underestimate. Henry, a very good morning to you. Hi, morning, Mike. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. I mean, first of all, let's talk a bit about the numbers. Um, you know, you and I both know that there are many more people coming here illegally than, than we are recording because an awful lot of the boats arrive uh, without any sort of escort at all. And if they walk into uh, the local town, uh, whether it be Dungeness or Pet Level, nobody's ever going to hear from them again. Yeah, that, that's right, Mike. But it's not only the people who come across on the, on the boats, remember. Um, this all started with people coming back, coming across on the back of trucks. Yeah. That's still going on. It's reduced, but it's still happening. Um, we've also got other people who come in through through f- flights, various flights that come in. That's uh, a small, proportionally a small number. But we've got a lot of people trying to enter this country, and many of them do so successfully, and many of them are able to do it below mm. the radar. Yeah. And as far as the 15,000 that have been counted having come in small boats this year... Um, this is the uh, 12th consecutive day, apparently, of Channel Crossings. The weather's yep. been very hot, as we know, uh, but it's probably been quite calm on the on the waters as well, right? It has. I mean, I'm, I'm down on the southeast coast now in Kent. Uh, it's been relatively calm the last few days. Um, Monday, I don't know what the figures were for yesterday, but on Monday, over 300 made the crossing. Um, this is not going away, Mike. And, and if anybody in government or in, in, in politics 
or in policing or border force tries to tell us that the situation is improving, they are quite frankly wrong. Mm. This is So far this year, we've had nearly double what we had last year. We were at about 7,500 at, at this point last year. Um, so we're now on 15,000. The thing is, as I've said before, and I will continue saying until somebody actually listens, you cannot simply stop these people in the channel. Like anything, I apologize for the noise in the background, but um, like anything, when you're trying to prevent a, a flow type problem, you've got to layer your defense. You've got to project your efforts upstream of the problem. And we're simply not doing that. The UK had a very effective a program or project it was called reflex brought together 12 different government agencies operationally on the ground in a whole range of different countries um back in 2000 up until 2006 when tony blair pulled the funding on it right we we have to reinitiate some of those sort of approaches that were highly effective tactically and from an intelligence point of view on the ground at disrupting the networks that move these people well, you wouldn't think you wouldn't think it would be that difficult to do after all this time. For heaven's sake, they must know who these people are. I mean, David Neal, uh, the independent chief inspector of borders and immigration, uh, has been in the Times today condemning Priti Patel, saying that he gave her a report some time ago, which she's basically sitting on, in which he had uh, four time-sensitive recommendations for fixing this problem. I don't know what they were. I don't know whether you know what they were. But, I mean, there just doesn't seem to be much urgency about any of this. Well, one of the problems, Mike, is that there is no coordination or cohesion across government. Um, now, we're going into the uh, Tory party leadership debate, but I do agree this should have been a, a front and centre issue in that, deba- in, in that debates and discussions and, and hosting so far, mm. and it has not been. But one of the things that's been absent from government for a long time, going back to some previous governments as well, has been a lack of cohesion and unity of effort across government. And why do I say that in this case? Because it's not only about the Home Office here. It's Home Office is central to it. Home Office is absolutely got it's really got to address some serious, fun, fundamentally systemic problems and, and lack of capacity and ability within the Home Office. But they've also got to work with the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, with the Ministry of Defence, and so on. So you, there's got to be a, a department of tra- for transport. And they're not doing that. Each one of these government departments is presently siloed in this respect. Mm. They do their own thing. That's, that has to change. And that's got to be a cabinet level issue. I, I've, I've, again, I've told you before, Mike, I've helped 14 different governments in different countries to, to address similar problems of similar scale. And each, each and every time I have insisted that before I, I help them, they agree to appoint a national level coordinator mm. to ensure that we get a fully co- comprehensive and integrated approach. If you've got one ministry or one government department taking the lead on it, the others aren't going to follow suit. They've got their own ministers, their own secretaries of state. It has to come from a national level of coordination. Uh, it's not happening. No, but we also know as well that inside of the Home Office there's a great deal of opposition to the policy generally and, and even a great deal of opposition um, just actually practically where it seems to me that they're more interested in sticking up refugees' welcome stickers than they are actually doing their job as, as uh, instructed by the government. Uh, Mike, we've got a, a huge degree of naivety in a lot of elements of the civil service in, in White or Whitehall civil service. The Home Office is one of the worst 
uh, we've got a real problem with a belief in making Britain work for itself. We go back to the Brexit debate, and again, that's that's impacted on the on the leadership hustings I know and the debates, of course. But Brexit hasn't yet been delivered in terms of its full potential. We have not taken back control of our borders, and one of the problems in that's, that's contributed towards that is the fact that the civil service, quite honestly, culturally, institutionally, are opposed to us doing it. They yeah. simply don't think it is the right way. Well, my message to them, if I was Home Secretary or the Prime Minister, would be, listen, you are not elected by the people of this nation. They, they voted to leave the European Union. One of the reasons was because they're concerned about the impact of immigration. They expect us to take control. We're your elected leaders. You are there to do our bidding. It's time you screwed the bobbin on that. Otherwise, you need to find a new job. I'm sorry, but it's not good enough. And the civil service really is an obstacle in this regard. And what about the three uh, left, uh, the, the three contenders who are left in the race? Uh, have you got any confidence in any of them changing this? <laughs> Not a great deal, no, Mike. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I'm always one to say that there is a really serious lack of statesmanship, strategic level leadership mm. in British politics. We've got a whole raft of MPs sitting in the House of Commons who all think they're pretty good at chairing meetings and so on. I look at committee meetings which are chaired by MPs uh, the, the, the parliamentary committees and I'm sorry but they're, they're badly chaired they're badly run the, the, the discussion and the questioning is poorly organised and managed I'm sorry but we simply don't have the leadership skills and acumen in government and in parliament that we need so that then feeds through to the selection of cabinet ministers of course it's a small pool from which to select cabinet ministers and it's a poor quality pool so we end up with poor quality ministers what we've got at the moment are three candidates who, in many respects, are all very weak. I have to say, though, Mike, if I've got to select one in terms of toughness, resilience and robustness in getting the job done and consistency in messaging in that regard, it's got to be Liz Truss. Mm. But that's not to say that I'm a big Liz Truss fan. I'm not. I'm taking the worst of a bad bunch, or the best of, the, of a bad bunch in that respect. Um, you know, it's... We're in a bad position. Mm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Henry Bolton, thank you very much indeed. Chairman of BritPAC and International Border Expert, not particularly uh, optimistic about any of the candidates changing much about what happens across our borders and what happens particularly in the Channel. But somebody's got to do something, surely, to heavens. This is Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here at Talk TV. Alan says this, I totally agree with you, Mike. Penny uh, is our only hope out uh, of the three to heal the party. I only hope the MPs vote for her. She has vision, integrity uh, and uh, Rishi Sunak uh, would be just more of the same. High energy bills, more inflation and a recession. We cannot afford him. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, here's one of the reasons I like Penny Morden. Uh, she made um, a video uh, which was unlike any of the other ones that people made, uh, certainly unlike Sir Keir Starmer's video, everyone's wondering about uh, inside a Holocaust memorial. Uh, she made a, a video about her upbringing in Portsmouth and how uh, she was far more in touch with the ordinary people of this country than anybody else. Have a look at this. I've lived in Portsmouth all my life. It's a military city with a proud history. It's patriotic. It's passionate about football. It likes a pie and a pint, and quite frankly, so do I. Portsmouth has taught me a lot. As a child, I watched the Falklands Task Force sail from Portsmouth Harbour. It taught me that my country stands up to bullies. 
My Country Stands Up to Bullies. Well, I mean, you know, if you watch the whole video, there's a lot to it. There's a lot more of that. And it certainly does skewer Rishi Sunak, it seems to me. Uh, there was um, a moment earlier on today when she tweeted about um, a, a Telegraph article that said, if you vote for, for Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak, you will murder the party. She's now deleted that tweet and it's not there anymore because, of course, uh, her campaign team say she does not endorse those kinds of words. Well, fair enough. Uh, but we'll find out this afternoon, of course, whether she makes it into the final two. Uh, there are plenty of polls that suggest that whoever makes it into the final two with Rishi Sunak if he's the other one then they will win and they will become prime ministers so according to the polls at least if it's Rishi Sunak and Penny Morden then Penny is the prime minister if it's Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss then Liz Truss is the prime minister we shall see uh, maybe whoever it is would be able to sort out some of the many problems that we have in this country including of course what on earth is going on at our airports Let's talk to Ben Clapworthy, transport correspondent from The Times, because Heathrow uh, has put more caps and extended those caps uh, on flights into October. Ben, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. So um, if anyone thought that it was going to get better anytime soon, I guess uh, they were sadly mistaken. Yeah, I think the reality now is that things are going to get worse before they get better. Mm. Um, I think summer is going to be very challenging. Yesterday, uh, the chief executive of EasyJet said that he could not guarantee uh, that everything would be smooth and, and operational this summer. Um, last night, it was revealed that Heathrow uh, are capping the number of aircraft movements now until the end of October, so past the October half term, which is typically quite a busy time for people to get away for a bit of last minute sunshine before our gloomy winter. Yeah, well, exactly right. Um, some of the airlines haven't reacted well to this, have they? Emirates have kind of uh, had a go um, over uh, Heathrow's policy saying basically, look, we can do what we want to do. Uh, we can run as many flights as we like because we've got the people that can do it. How's that all going? Yeah, so Emirates and Heathrow uh, had a bit of a row at the end of last week. Heathrow eventually releasing a statement that sort of said that the two parties have patched things up. Now, in that letter, the open letter that Emirates published, they said that uh, Heathrow's shareholders should examine the running of the business. Now, this is quite interesting. It's because the largest shareholder at Heathrow are Qatar. Uh, so there is a little bit of Middle Eastern rivalry there. But Emirates saying we've hired thousands of A380 pilots, we've hired thousands of crew, Heathrow effectively have done nothing. I'm not sure that's strictly true. Exactly. There is probably somewhere in the middle of those two uh, points. After all, it is somewhat easier to recruit in the Middle East. Mm. Um, but the reality for passengers is that there are more flight cancellations to come, uh, with Heathrow saying that realistically it's now going to cap about 100 to 150 down the number of flights per day compared to pre-pandemic. Yes. And I mean, as far as the way people are handling all of these flight cancellations and flight caps, I mean, are most people kind of coping with it? Because I don't hear too many stories about people saying, you know, my holiday's been ruined, I couldn't go. Presumably they're all being found alternative ways of getting to wherever they're going. I think that's one of the big uh, things, actually, is that a lot of these cancellations are not last minute. They are people who are having their plans changed. Yes, their plans are disrupted, but they are being moved on to alternative flights. Mm. That said, um, I am hearing increasingly from people that are struggling with cancellations at the last minute or being bumped, particularly people flying later in the day. If you haven't booked, I would strongly recommend, if you can, if there are multiple flights, 
taking the pain of the early start and getting on one first thing. They are the least likely flights to be cancelled. If you imagine as the day goes on, disruption at airports mm. around the world or around Europe where there is a lack of baggage handlers, a lack of ground staff, very quickly those small delays, half an hour here, 45 minutes there, can knock on to become a big two-hour, three-hour delay by the end of the day, at which point the cabin crew and pilots have exceeded their flying hours and your uh, chance of getting home in the evening is mm. scuppered. And at that point, you're in a race with all the other passengers who have been bumped or delayed to try and find accommodation, which the airline do have to provide. But, but of course, if it's very late, it's a case of getting through to someone and finding someone to help you. No, of course. And what about coming back? How are the uh, airports, not just Heathrow, but other airports dealing uh, with the arrivals hall, if you like? Because an awful lot of uh, people saying they've had to wait a long time because of the shortages of staff there. There have been uh, big delays in recent weeks. Stansted uh, and Heathrow have both had uh, delays at immigration for border control. Um, at Heathrow, particularly Terminal 2, there's been big problems with baggage reclaim. The same at Gatwick. I was speaking to someone that flew through there last weekend who said that there were people in the baggage hall that had been waiting two hours for their luggage. If you can travel with hand luggage only this summer. Not everyone can, I appreciate that, but if you can, you're likely to find that you have a smoother flying experience because that is really one of the pinch points that airports have really struggled to ha uh, recruit enough baggage handlers to deal with the influx in passengers. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's just talk about trains for a moment because I'm told that today, despite the fact that uh, the heat wave has passed, more or less everything's back to normal, uh, but it actually isn't back to normal. The East Coast Main Line, I'm told, uh, isn't running any trains at all until about one o'clock this afternoon. Still lots of destinations ungettable too. Uh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, there was big disruption yesterday, an awful lot of damage sustained to the rail network. Uh, network Rail, which manages the 20,000 miles of tracks in the UK, uh, said that their teams have been working overnight to try and fix things. The East Coast Main Line was badly affected yesterday by a trackside fire, mm. which knocked out signalling equipment, but also there was damage to uh, level crossing uh, equipment there as well. Um, also, the Midland Main Line into St Pancras, that's now getting back up and running slowly from Bedford down into London, mm. Peterborough uh, to St Pancras will come later in the day, repairs still ongoing there. It was a, a really, for the railways built in this country for cooler temperatures, it was extreme weather. Um, but Network Rail today, in the last couple of minutes, announcing that they're launching a review into what happened because ultimately it's now time that we start thinking if 40 degree days are going to be a reality, we can't be in a situation that every summer we have long three, as it is now, days of disruption where people really can't travel. Well, that's even before they start striking again, isn't it? But well, that, Ben, thank you very much indeed. Ben Clatworthy there, Transport Correspondent at The Times. We've got Prime Minister's questions coming up. The very last one uh, with Boris Johnson at the helm of the Tory party. Let's talk to Chris, who's in Hereford. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Morning, How sir. Yeah, very well. What can I do for you? Um, we were just talking about the uh, uh, last three, the, uh, the next person to be Prime Minister. Yes. Well, as you made the po point that I... If trust goes out to this, this afternoon, mm. I'd rather Penny Morden as Prime Minister than that other idiot Sunak that's yes. almost wrecked the economy. Right. And as I said, as you said, it, whoever win, whoever comes second, whoever the final two, I think 
whether I think I, I think more if Morden makes makes the final two, I think she'll win it hands down, and I, I don't care what anybody yeah. says. Uh, I just watched her video on on the thing about her. I think that was excellent. She's a person that's down to earth, and she she is for the people. And I think uh, penny for PM. I think yes. That's what I think I think I think that's where we are, Chris. And I think an awful lot of people would agree with that. Gwen is in Essex. Hi, Gwen. Hello, Mike. Hi, it's Gwen here. Hello. What would you like to tell me? First of all, I was going to say um, the previous speaker about the uh, airports. Mm. I'm not talking about him, but I'm talking about. The speaker before him, who was talking about the people coming across from France, I absolutely agree with everything he says. Also, I think that the present load of people that are up for Prime Minister do me a favour. <laughs> but now this is to make you laugh. Last Friday, I noticed that you were looking absolutely dapper and smart. And oh. I thought, bearing in mind that you and Kevin are my pin-ups. Now, don't get excited, because <laughs> I'm 83. And I can hear you saying, chuckling away, saying, thanks for nothing, Gwen. Not at all. But what I was going to say was this. Then I found out you were going out with another woman. Well, that finished me off. <laughs> More importantly about the heat wave. Yes. Marilyn Monroe's picture, um, Some Like It Hot. Do you mm. remember that the leading man fell for her because his family, wife and children, had gone up somewhere to New England or something when it was hot. Mm. And that's what they used to do. The men would stay and go to their air-conditioned offices. Yes. The women took flights. Yes. But also, uh, where the poor people didn't have air conditioning, they used to put the hydrants on mm. so that they could uh, uh, play around in the water. They did. Yeah, that's right. But, and of course, they can't do that now because you might ruin the planet or something. Absolutely right, darling. But listen, I'm absolutely melting here, and I think it's absolutely horrible, this weather. Yeah, I know. But well, at least it's not as bad as it was yesterday, though. It's cooled down a bit. Oh, well, actually, I felt more, more wet this morning. But anyway, the other thing is about this Morden thing. She's got two nicknames. Now, I don't remember Maggie Thatcher or anybody else having that. She's part-time Penny and HMS Morden. Yes. Which and, one do you um, prefer? Well, Morden, because the, the Navy is rather special, isn't yes. it? But what I was going to say is, I think they're such a weak bunch. Yeah, I know. I'd be nicer if there was somebody that you could actually hang your hat on and go, that's the Prime Minister that I want. Um, in the absence of that, I still think it's Penny Morden. Gwen, lovely to hear from you. Thank you so much for all those kind words. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.